But this morning I want to um, share with you out of the book of Mark, chapter 1. Uh, we've been in the book of Mark, I think it's now the third week. Uh, the Lord just laid in our hearts uh, over the past couple of weeks to, I, wanna, I don't want to say refocus because the focus is always Christ, but um, it's almost as if the Lord was just saying to us, you know, just bring it all back. You know, people, people find themselves with their minds running all over the place and and so easily, I don't know why, but especially in these times, I don't think it's something new. I just think it's uh, something very common that every now and again we find ourselves that our minds are running all over the place and, and we're concerned about so many things that we forget what it's all about. The simplicity of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me just remind you that the way, John, uh, the way Mark starts his gospel by referring to the good news. Let me remind you that... Uh, Euangelion, the good news, the gospel, that's what it is. It is good news. And I want you to, from the very beginning this morning, remind yourself of that. That this gospel of Jesus Christ is good news from God to you and me. And it's good news that we've got to hold on to. And that we've got to keep center, in the center of our lives. That everything else will come and go. Everything else might like storms show up and, and die down again. But that the anchor of Christ in our lives, the gospel of Christ, this good news that we have a Savior and His name is Jesus. This good news that a congregation does not belong to a pastor or a denomination, but it belongs to Jesus Christ. This good news that doesn't matter what congregation you join or where you go, or where you come from. If you're His, you are His. You are family because of what he did. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason why I want to, want to just refocus our minds as we lead into verse 14 of Mark chapter 1, um, it is because this is exactly when Jesus started preaching, when Jesus started sharing the message and the news about what he was about to bring to its fulfillment. Jesus said these words in, 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 um, in Mark chapter 1. And I'm going to read for you from verse 14. It says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. Just so far, just so far. Now, in the first portion of this passage that I read to you in verse 14, when Jesus said this, you know, it, it, it starts off with saying, listen, that John was put in prison. It starts with a bit of bad news. Okay, John just proclaimed in the few verses before they said, this is Jesus. This is the one that I've been waiting for. John pointed Jesus out to be the one that was to come after him, the one that was greater than him. And then John started diminishing. John proclaimed that I should become less, that he become more. Now we find in the very few, first few words, it was said, John was put in prison and nothing else. 
John was put in prison. I told you that Mark is a guy of a few words, but he's a, he's a, he's, he's a straightforward guy. He's, a, he's sharing the gospel with, with the truths almost coming to you like, 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 uh, like bombs just exploding in your mind. John was in prison and Jesus came to Galilee. <laughs> it's, 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 some of the other gospels, you know, they, they really color in the picture. Uh, Mark just says, no, no, let me just share what it's all about. Saying Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the euangelion, the good news that God was sharing in this world and he brought it to life in the life of Christ. And then just as boldly saying, the time has come, he said. The time has come. What time? What, what, what is this good news that Jesus is proclaiming? And now he's sharing with them. Remember, this was the, they, they, they did not see the crucifixion. They, they do not have the privilege that we have looking at the gospel from this side, looking at the cross of Calvary and Jesus. Jesus just there proclaiming, listen, the time has come. The time has come for what? He said, because the kingdom of God is near. Now we know that the kingdom of God has come. But Jesus, when he started ministering, said, the time has come. Boldly proclaiming, the kingdom of God is near. And now I want you to read with me. Because here's a portion that's a bit more difficult to swallow. Especially nowadays. What did Jesus preach? Jesus said this. Because remember, John preached, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. John repented and he baptized them for the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus started preaching, saying, come on, you're going to read, right? Repent and believe the good news. Repent. Metanoia. Change your mind. What you thought was, was not right, that's wrong. Turn around. Go the other way. Metanoia. Change. For the kingdom of God is near. Change. Repent. And what? And believe the good news. Faith. The second portion, we get that. But that is, that is of utter importance. You see, Jesus' original preaching had three emphases. He preached about the kingdom being near. He preached about repentance. And he preached about faith. Believe. Now to help clarify that with us, we're going to start with the last one first. Jesus saying, believe in the good news. Believe in the gospel. It's first and foremost about what do you believe? Let me share this with you clearly. If in the church we do anything and everything, good and wonderful, but we don't address what do you believe, we're starting at the wrong place. John did. Jesus did. And if you follow the New Testament, you'll see the apostles did. What do you believe? Acts 16 verse 31 says it this way, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So this is not just, I mean, you're talking about something here in the beginning. This is what it's about. 
There is no doubt that this is the way that salvation should be preached. Do we not say that we want to follow the footsteps of Jesus in everything we do? Hello? We put little straps around our wrists and say, what would Jesus do? We should ask ourselves, what did Jesus say? Believe. We must be committed with all our hearts to preaching faith. You will not be saved by your works. You cannot be good enough to reach heaven on your own. You cannot eliminate enough things so that you will just make it into heaven. It's all about faith. What do you believe? Do you believe the good news? What is the good news? That Jesus Christ has come so that you and me, if we believe, will be saved. Do you agree that that still is the gospel? I don't, I, 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 I thought, no, I knew last week was quiet week, right? But I thought this week, believe, have faith, know what you think, what you believe, where you are about Jesus Christ. That's the question that matters. This morning I thought, no, amen. You know, I'm going to think, yes, that's what it's about. Sadly, sadly, unfortunately, in our day and time, with our uh, very clever culture. We've tried to sidestep the most crucial questions just like we try to sidestep just about everything else. We're very much a shortcut culture. Very much a culture that, you know, we, we, we try to have things a little bit under control. We, have to, we, we like to set things up ourselves. And it's also interesting that we can actually, even within church and outside of church, the question is not how do you speak or how you pray. You can have the most wonderful vocabulary. You can say the most wonderful things. But the issue is still, what do you believe? Scripture says you can, you can speak in the language of angels and men. You can say wonderful things. But in the end, the question still remains. Jesus said, repent and believe in the good news. Believe that there's only one way to salvation because there is only one. His name is Jesus. Um, let, let, me, let me ask forgiveness this morning if it feels a little bit awkward. I know the gospel is not preached a lot, but this is it. This is the gospel. For us to be saved, we must believe in the one and only Son of the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Is that clear enough? See, no matter, no matter if we've got the vocabulary set, no, even no matter if we've got the social conventions on our side, if we've got all the social attitudes and we stay away from this, we stay away from that, we've got modesty, we, we dress the way church people do, we do the things church people do, the question still remains, what do you believe? 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Because that's the good news. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lamb that was slain? Because that's the good news. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came so that sinners could be saved? The sinless carried sin, took upon him all sin so that we can stand before him the righteousness of Christ. We can stand. His righteousness became our righteousness. That is the good news. Peter, I, I, I know what to do. You, you might even have this, the right background. My parents have been part of the church for yonder years. I mean, they, they built that church. And you know, the curtains that hang in that one, my parents put that there. And, 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 and you know, uh, uh, my, my parents have been in ministry. So I must be part of the kingdom. There's only one question. What do you believe? What do you believe? Where are you at? Is he your savior? That's the good news. It's for free. It cost him his life. But it's for free. I must stop myself. I wanna wanna run away with the gospel every time I share something. But you know what? Let me share this with you. No matter if you've got the right heritage, you might have the right pedigree. The question still remains, do you believe? Hear me say this, faith, believing in Christ is all that is necessary to become a Christian. But faith in Christ is a belief that changes your life. Faith in Christ changes ownership. Faith in Christ changes lordship. And everything within us changed because I believe. I know who I am, but I know who He is. I believe. That was what Jesus came to say. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Believe in the good news. He was playing out the good news right before their eyes. But that was the first words. That was the proclamation as He walked the journey. I want to say, if you say that you believe, but there is no substantial change in your life, you must consider if you truly believe. I'd say, Piet, you just said it's not about works. Yes, it's not about works. But you see, the works can't not change if faith changes you. Say, Piet, will we not falter? No, you will make mistakes. But your ownership has changed. Your eyes have changed. Your direction have changed. Your hope have changed. Your identity have changed. You have changed. Why? Because He is who He said He is. Jesus, the good news. Why are we so timid? When you talk about a savior that gave it all, 
Why are we so scared to just allow the gospel to be the gospel? The good news is not just a message. Good news is a person. His name is Jesus. The good news of God is Christ himself. This is why Jesus preached, because it changes everything. Jesus preached repentance. Because he said, repent and believe. These two things are so closely knit together. When Jesus spoke, when Jesus shared, when Jesus dealt with people, repentance and believe and and, and faith were, were just so intermingled always. Nowadays, we, we struggle with the two together. No, Peter, you, you know, we, we've, we've, you've just said it's all about faith. You're right. It's all about faith. And Jesus did not condemn. Yes, he did not. But he called to repentance over and over and over and over again. Peter, when Jesus dealt with a woman with a prostitute kneeling before him and they wanted to stone her. He did not judge her. Yes, you're right. He said, where's the ones that should, sto- should have thrown the stones? And I said, Jesus said, he said, throw the, the one of you that don't have any mistakes, throw the first stone. Nobody did. Jesus could. Jesus asked, where are they? And then she said, no, they, they all left. Jesus said, no, I also, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. What happened to Zacchaeus when Jesus changed his life? A city became wealthy because he gave away half he had. He gave back everything that he stole. Why? Because faith changes you. An encounter with Christ changes you. Paul puts it this way in Acts 20. He says, you know that I have, uh, um, he's speaking to the the elders in in Ephesus. He's saying, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and have faith. Repent and believe. Turn around, change your mind and believe. That's the gospel. Preaching of the gospel, the good news, involves preaching repentance right in the mix. No, Piet, because it's about faith, we will live the way we want because His grace is enough. No, because His grace is enough, Because he did what he did, I will follow in his footsteps. And if I stray, I will say, Lord, I repent. I will keep a repentant heart as Jesus calls us to repentance. I will say, Lord, every time I step off, would you help me? Would you bring me back for my wife's sake, for my children's sake, for this nation's sake, for this city's sake, for my friend's sake? I will keep a repentant heart and turn back to Him. Change my mind over and over and over again and believe again and again and again that He is able to save and to renew and to restore and to remove. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Contemporary man proclaims that he needs hope. 
But let me share with you, hope without Christ is no hope at all. If we don't recognize and realize that we are sinners in need of a savior, there is no hope. There is no hope for one that tries to reach heavens himself or for one that tries to live his own life in his own way. I don't have to be too convincing on this one. We can just look around us and not even far beyond. We can just look within us. We know who we are without him. I know who I am without him. You see, given our... um, Given our contemporary materialism and sensuality and the way we live, what do you think Jesus would have preached when he preached, if he were to preach today? How would he have presented the gospel? Do you think Jesus would have preached the same thing, repent and believe? Change and follow me. Do you think he would have called us to seize our, our adulteries, repent from our, from our materialism, to renounce our gossips and our jealousies, to repent from our lying? Do you think there would have been an urgency, a sense of urgency if Jesus were to preach today? See, because in the book of Mark, Jesus said immediately, now. That's what he said. There was a sense of urgency. The text literally says that Jesus heralded the truth. He proclaimed, he shouted it out. See, there was a radical sense of urgency in what Jesus was proclaiming. How would Jesus urge you, me, someone in today's culture? How how would he preach? Would he say that sin is an abomination? It's wrong. It's, It's so wrong in my father's sight. It would be very nice if you guys can turn. Or would it come with a sense of urgency? Would he use the words he used then that he pleaded with them? Would he use the words that Paul uses when he says, I urge you? Would he look at us in the church and ask us, is there still a repentant heart? throbbing inside your heart to over and over and over again return, return, return. Oh, how we love half of the Bible stories. Oh, you know, you know, the prodigal son, he messed up everything and still the father took him back. Yes, but you see, there was a time 
in the pigsty when he came to himself and started his journey back. Who told this story? Jesus, yes? I say it again, again. Oh, how we love half the Bible's stories. You see, the fact is that Jesus is here. The fact is he is here this morning. The fact is he is with us every day, every moment. He's with us. I want to close with this. In verse 16 it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting an net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He said, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want you to read verse 18 with me. At Come on. At once. At once. Immediately. Right then. What happened? At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John in a boat preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. At once. You see, there's always a sense of urgency when it comes to the good news. Because the good news is about life. Let me state this clearly. Christ came with a radical message. And that radical message gave a radical call. And the question remains for you and me, will we like Peter, John, James, will we radically respond? How will we respond? Oh Lord, we've heard and I hope to one day change my life. See, the night the Lord Jesus called me, I was reminded of that this morning. He warned me out of the book of Ezekiel. He said, if you say exactly what I say you say, you will never be ashamed. He says, but if you don't, their blood will be on your hands. Hear me say this this morning. Gospel is about repentance and faith. Turn and believe. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Faith in Christ changes everything about you. Everything. I'm going to ask Lisa to come up. I've got a few more things that I wanted to share. But I'm going to finish with this. 
Christ has not changed. Has Jesus changed from then to now? No. Is his word still his word? Yes. Is he still Savior, Lord? Today he still extends his call to you and me with a call to believe, to repent and to believe. And the good news that you don't have to earn your salvation, but you have to change your mind. You have to repent and believe. And Peter, what, what if I fail? See, that's what makes the Savior so wonderful. If you fail, then yes, there's a blemish on you. Then yes, you've sinned again. But in the hands of our Father, He does not inspect you. He then inspects the perfect Lamb, Jesus, the sinless one. I know we've got AGM and all of these things today, but hear me say this. The church is about Him and people. He loves you dearly. Church is not about the things we do. Church is about the good news of God presented in His Son, Jesus Christ. We are the church only because we belong to Him. I can only give anything good to those I dearly love because He allows it, because He works it in us. Without Him, we are nothing. You are so wonderfully made, but you will only realise fully the divine potential within you. If you with a repentant heart come and say, Lord, here I am. Would you just, would you, would you just open your arms and let me share with you? His arms are always open, waiting for you. He's everything you need. But please do not find yourself wandering around in the desert of your own weakness and your own shortcomings and your own stubbornness. I want to say to you, there is living water in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is a fountain of, of life and nourishment. There is a life of abundance in Him no matter what you face, no matter how difficult it is at your workplace, no matter how, how many challenges you have. In Jesus, there is hope and there is joy. And there is peace beyond all understanding, no matter what the world goes through. Your anchor will hold. Your life will remain in Christ and in Christ alone. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond. If you say, Lord, I want to stand before you. I want to, I want to again align my heart. I want to again align my thoughts. I want to again repent 
and say, my faith is in You and in You alone, then stand just where you are. I wanna pray for you this morning. Change my heart, oh God. Come Lord, come speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would You come and restore, Lord, every broken and every tired heart. I pray, Lord, that You would address every bit of stubbornness within us that have come over time, slowly but surely weighing us down, hardening the soft hearts You've created within us. And I pray, Lord, that You would restore in us a contrite spirit, a heart that is always ready to repent and believe in You, hold on to You, follow You. I pray for all those specifically this morning, Lord, that say, Lord, I know You speaking to me. I pray, Lord, for a renewal of their hearts. I pray, Lord, for just an invigorating in their, in their spirit. I pray, Lord, that You would strengthen the faith inside of them, Lord. I pray that You would raise their eyes and fix their eyes again on You, Jesus, the Christ. Pray, Lord, that You would again restore within our hearts the simple truth of the good news of God that is to be found in Christ our Saviour. Thank You, Father. You can take your seats. Thank You very much. Can I ask you this morning, you know, our God is, is so very, very personal. And I ask you this morning, not to just hear and go on. Can I ask you just to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you, to direct our hearts, that as we go from day to day, from moment to moment, that we would truly make the most of every opportunity to with repentant hearts, know that the Kingdom of God is not just near, the King resides in you and in me. So hey, talk about near, that's as near as it gets. This might not be news to you, but I just love the Lord. I know I have the mics. I'm going to give you the opportunity if you want to say it just out loud. If you just want to say, Lord, I love you so much. You have an opportunity. Just say to Him, Lord, we love you. We love you so much. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you are doing. We love you.